He's got Axl Rose with him, actually, on this track. A cover of the old Aerosmith tune, Back in the Saddle. We'll be back next week, and until then, the bell has sounded. Hey, this is Steve Nash. You're listening to CITR 101.9, the home of the UBC Thunderbirds.
Welcome to uh, Thunderbird Eye. I am Daryl Wiener. Wilson Wong, uh, he's off for the next few weeks, so I will be filling in. And there you have it. Um, lots to get into on the show today. We're going to be going through everything in UBC Sports. We're going to be hitting up all six teams at points during the show. Uh, the volleyball teams, women's hockey, men's hockey, both basketball teams. And to start it off, we have with us, we haven't done this in a while, Vern, the assistant <laughs> the assistant coach for the UBC Thunderbird men's basketball team, Vern Knopp. Vern, how the hell are you? I'm doing great, thanks. Uh, Vern, let's just jump into it. Uh, you guys, interesting season, I'm going to call it, in the regular season. <laughs> Okay. Well, the record's great. Uh, Fourteen and two. You've won ten in a row. But Vern, you know, and we'll go through it. This weekend versus Calgary, eleven point win on Friday, nine point win on Saturday. But Vern, I'm gonna have to go ahead and say this weekend, despite the wins, I don't think you guys played that great. Um, you know, we we didn't we didn't play as well as we had hoped, as um, as well as we're probably gonna need to to uh, you know go on in the playoffs to be successful, but. Uh, I think um, you, you really got to give Calgary credit. They they played. They're a team that's struggling. They're trying to find their identity. They've lost so many players the last couple of years, and I think. But they had enough guys around, like Tyler Fiddler, that that knew about the rivalry. So they definitely brought their A game with them this weekend. And you got to just give them full credit for playing uh, playing as hard and as well as they did. Vern, 28 all on the Friday. Um, your offense, I, I know you want to give credit to Calgary, but you guys couldn't hit a layup in the first half on Friday. No, we, uh, well, it wasn't just the first half, second half. We struggled to hit layups all game, and that seems to be a, an unfortunate uh, trend we're having this year is uh, missing a lot of easy shots and layups, and then uh, it ended up affecting our outside game, too, where guys were kind of tensing up a little bit when the ball was coming to them. They were starting to be, uh, starting to be a little hesitant to shoot, but... Uh, you know, it's one of those things where you're going to have those struggles during the course of the year, and uh, the good thing is we were able to overcome it in the second half and uh, to pull out the win. Uh, Vern, you know, it's it's all about, I think, with you guys right now, your fifth-year guys, and Josh White's scoreless on the Friday, but, you know, he's he's done enough great things for you guys the last few years. He's a lot of mulligan every now and then, but I thought guys who played really well for you this weekend, uh, too, and I like to call him Vern, I don't know if, is it, is this, if this is rude for me to say, Two true fifth-year UBC guys in Brent Malish and uh, Alex Murphy. Josh transferred. He's been here for three years, yeah. but those guys are going to do all five years here. Uh, I thought they had both strong weekends for you guys. Yeah, they have. I mean, Alex has been great for us all year. Um, Brent, kind of because of injuries last year, kind of got off to a sluggish start earlier the year. But, uh, you know, over the holidays at, uh, out in um, 
Santa Barbara. Brent played, uh, started to find his range a little bit. He's giving us some scoring inside, getting on the boards more, and it's carried in so far now to the last uh, two weeks of league. And um, so it's great, it's great encouraging sign for him to finish off strong, especially in his fifth year. Alex has just taken the ball and run with it since uh, the get-go from the beginning, from right from training camp when we when uh, he was told that he was probably going to be starting alongside Josh. And he's been probably one of the most consistent players for us this year. And, you know, he's a true leader in the fact that he just shows up today, every day in practice, plays, plays extremely hard, and brings that uh, tenacity into the games every weekend as well. Uh, the other guy, Vern, on the Saturday when things were getting a little dicey there for a bit, Melvin Mayotte, just right place, right time, uh, hitting open shots, wild three-pointers, standing right there for the open rebound. Uh, 16 points in the Saturday night game, 11 of them in the in the fourth quarter. Another veteran guy for you, for your team. Yeah, Melvin, um, you know, Melvin just, uh, just, you know, does a great job in, in his role. He really relishes that coming off the bench. He's kind of like the He's usually the second guard off the bench behind Nathan Yu. Um, you know, it, it's amazing. We as coaches, we're just we're just shocked all the time that he's always open on the baseline corner, and he's proven over the last two years that he just he just nails that shot. I mean, he's over. I think on the season, probably over 50% or, or was earlier in the year. Um, yet he continues to be left open, and uh, you know, we'll take that. Uh, he's probably shooting a better percentage from three-point line in the, on the corner than we are as far as hitting layups go, and. And, you know, defensively, Nelson's always been known as a defensive stopper, and uh, and you know, for the minutes he plays this year, played for us, he's always done a good job on the on the uh, defensive defensive end against a lot of times checking the other team's best player. And as well, he he, he finally you know he did, did contribute on the defensive boards and offensive boards where he got snuck in and got a couple offensive rebounds, and he was huge for us in the fourth quarter. We probably don't. Uh, win that game without Melvin's uh, performance in the fourth quarter. Uh, Vern, you got six, you got, I'm sorry, eight regular seasons to go now. Three of those are going to be on the road. You're going to Brandon this weekend. But my question is, are we getting to a point in, in this in, with this basketball team that just looking at the minutes, and particularly on the Saturday, I noticed really only eight guys played any kind of significant minutes for you guys. Are we getting to that point of the year with this UBC basketball team? Past years, it's seen you've rolled up 10 to 12 a lot more. Are we going to be at a point with this UBC team where come playoff time, we might see that bench shortened a little more than in recent years? I'm not talking maybe the first round, but Final Four and if you do get to Nationals. Um, you know, it's something I, I, I kind of, as coaches we've talked about, I personally would like to see us shorten the bench sometimes just because it's, it's tough to play. It really is a challenge to play 10, 11, 12 guys. Um, you want to have guys get in a rhythm so that when they do, you know, like Josh White, when he does come out, he sits for two or three minutes. He's not sitting for seven or eight minutes. And I think in years past, especially at Nationals, I think it's hurt us when we have shortened our bench to guys maybe just aren't quite used to playing as many minutes as they have. Um, and part of the also thing this weekend was that we really didn't have a lot of foul trouble. Um, other than Brent Malish, I think, fouling out of the one game, most of our guys um, – we weren't in too much foul trouble, so we were able, able to play them a little more often. Um, as coaches, it's a lot easier to just sub, sub in eight or nine guys as opposed to the rest. So, um, you know, scores, scores, and, and the way the game situations is really going to determine how, how many guys play and whatnot. But, um, you know, we've always been known to play, play many, many, you know, go 10, 12 deep. And if the players that come in at that time, if, they, if they're producing force, they're going to get a chance to play more minutes. Because, Vern, you do only have an 11-man roster now uh, after you've uh, redshirted Jeff Pippis for the rest of the year, too. Yes, yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's just one of those things that's happened. Um, it's one less guy to you know worry about trying to hmm. keep everybody happy. And, 
and unfortunately, as a, as a coach, you want to have everybody happy with their playing minutes, but it's it's almost impossible to to you know get everybody playing minutes because the guys like Josh White, Alex Murphy, Brent Malish, they they need their minutes to uh, to to be successful to to get in a rhythm. Um, but it's just something with the guys that aren't playing as much; they just have to accept their role and and be ready at a moment's notice because with Coach Hanson, you never know when uh, he's going to turn to you and give guys a shot. He always says it's about opportunity and and it's what you do with that opportunity that you have to make the most of it. But, Vern, is it fair to say that if we see you guys, say, suffer a couple injuries down the stretch, some of these redshirt guys might be thrust into the lineup? Um, well, I mean, never say never, but that's you know obviously not the plan. Um, you know, I think... If we had a May, if we'd probably have to have a significant amount of injuries where guys were out for, for the rest of the year. Say, Vern, like, say it's the national year. championship and you've only got nine healthy players. Would you go into that game with that? Uh, yeah, I think we would because uh, all, you can't really, you know, you're, you're asking these kids to redshirt the whole year. Um, for them to come in to make them eligible to play one game, it would just play, you know, they'd lose a whole season on right. one game, and I think that's, put, that's putting them in an unfair situation. Uh, Vern, the last guy I want to talk to you about minutes. Uh, Balraj Baines doesn't even play on Saturday. Please comment on that. Um, yeah, it was just it was just one of those things we felt with uh, Calgary played played a really small lineup for the most part, and um, and so we kind of decided at times to match up with them. And and you know we have the situation we have right now is that we have so many guards that are like high end guards like Nathan Yu, Melvin Mayotte, who would be starting for any other team. Um, just trying to get them extra minutes, um, for, or, or that's happened. We've been playing Kamar Burke in the post a lot more, um, and so it's really we just kind of went with a three-man rotation in the post, um, which is unfortunate because Balraj did have a good week, and uh, the previous week in Manitoba had some good signs and played really well over in in Santa Barbara and Alaska, where he's played some of his best basketball for us. But uh, it was really just predicated on matchups. Um, I'm hope hopefully Balraj will be able to get in some games, uh, get in some more minutes this week, and. And, you know, like when we play teams down, you know, later on in the year in playoffs, Trinity, Saskatchewan, Alberta, where they have some bigger guys, um, ball rise definitely get, will be expected to step up and give us valuable minutes. Uh, Vern, preview this weekend, taking on the Brandon Bobcats. Uh, struggling this year, they are 4-10 and 10 on the season. Leading scorer, this guy doesn't even start for them, O'Brien Wallace at 18 points per game. Uh, Brandon, what do you have to do to Vern avoid losing a game there this weekend? Um, the main thing is we just can't lose our focus. We have to go in there, and I've, and I've said it many times in your radio show, we really just got to go in there and, and focus on ourselves, um, just do what we do best, which is you know play defense, get out, rebound the basketball, and get out and run and get as many easy hoops as possible. Um, with that said, it's always a challenge to go to Brandon because you're, you're you know, two hours own time zone change. Um, tough gym to play. It's a smaller gym, so it's, it's harder to get the spacing on the floor sometimes. Um, they mix it up with a lot of zones, so we're going to have to be able to, um, you know, take advantage of our layups when we get the opportunities. But also, guys got to be ready either when they're open from three-point line, when they're when when they get in the open shot, they got to be able to have the confidence to knock them down. But uh, again, it's just really focused on playing UBC basketball. Uh, Vern, thank you for, so much as always. And my one last question, Vern, is NFL playoffs going on right oh, now? Of course, right. conference yeah. final, and I hate to say, I think three of the most. Teams whose fans I find the most annoying, if not the three most annoying fans, are still in it, are the Packers, who I just think hypocrites, uh, the Steelers, who annoy me, and Jets fans. I don't like those people that root for those teams. 
Yeah, it's, it's Are you the, with uh, me? Do you know where I'm coming from I there? Totally, I totally understand with you. I, I don't have as much problem with uh, the Steeler fans just because... Maybe they, not, maybe not. Okay, yeah. Blue-collar, hard-working. But they, yeah, they, Packers they, are the worst. Packers are the worst. The, yeah, but I, I, the, without a doubt, I think the Jet fans are... are I think any fans from New York are probably <laughs> the worst and most obnoxious fans in the history of sport. Um, and the Jets obviously play off the swagger of their head coach and... Uh, tough to watch but you got to hand it to them they they come out and they play hard every week and uh it's, it should be a slugfest between them and pittsburgh this weekend but as for picking uh, making a prediction i've been just absolutely brutalized this year in the playoffs and during the season so i'd probably be the wrong guy to ask all right there you go Vern. thanks as always uh i'm doing this for a little bit so we'll talk soon Sounds good, Joe. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right, that was Vernon Hoppus, the coach for the UBC Thunderbird men's basketball team. Okay, we're going to take a break. When we're back, Milan Dragasevic, uh, he's the head coach of the UBC Thunderbird men's hockey team. They've got a huge weekend coming up uh, Friday, Saturday at home. Uh, Regina coming to town. And UBC, they're in a dogfight right now, not only to host, a, not only to make the playoffs, but if they can actually play well down the stretch, they can even host a playoff series for, I don't even know, I think it's the first time since like 1970. You heard that right. You actually heard that right. Okay, uh, we're going to take a quick break here. Um, you are listening to uh, 101.9 FM CITR. Well, hold on. I got to figure out this. Ah. I've got a little pause on the computer. Hope everybody's having a good day. Okay, uh, we'll be right back. Fruit Salad, Thursday nights at 7 p.m. on CFRO Co-op Radio 102.7 FM. Always fresh and unexpected for over 20 years with hosts Aiden Saint and Sky. Juicy, in-depth interviews with musicians, writers, performers, queer organizations, and families. Find out how fabulous and varied queer life really is. A show for all sexualities. Expect the unexpected. Fresh fruit every Thursday night at 7 p.m. on 102.7 FM. Catch a live stream at coopradio.org or on cable in Greater Vancouver and across Canada on Star Choice Channel 845. Contact us at queerradiovancouver at gmail.com. yourself one question do i feel lucky well do you punk you talking to me you talking to me i just want to say one word to you just one word yes sir are you listening yes i am plastics i want the truth you can't handle the truth just a sweet transvestite Where else can you see Hollywood blockbusters, midnight cult classics, indie films, live music, burlesque, stand-up comedy, poetry slams, and live sporting events all at your local theater? The Rio Theater voted number one in East Vancouver. 
your neighborhood indie theater that promotes all things cool. Be sure to check out Tron Legacy playing through January 13th, The Green Hornet beginning January 13th and playing until January 27th, and a special midnight screening of the Rocky Horror Picture Show on January 28th. For more information, go to riotheater.ca. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to uh, Thunderbird Eye. Uh, I'm Daryl Wiener. Joining us on the line right now, the head coach of the UBC Thunderbird men's hockey team who have a big weekend coming up. This is really one of the biggest home weekends they've had, I think, in years. Uh, Milan Dragasevic. Uh, coach, how you doing today? Not doing too bad. Uh, coach, would you say that's apt, uh, my description? You're right in the playoff hunt right now, and if you guys can play well down the stretch here, you might even be able to host a playoff series for the first time since I think it's like 1970 or something. Well, you know what? We're uh, we're not getting too far ahead yeah. of ourselves. I know you said it was the biggest weekend that we've had in many years. You know what? We've kind of told the players that ever since the beginning of the year that every <laughs> weekend for us is a playoff weekend, and that's the way we approach it. And, and sometimes we play very well for two games, and sometimes we play well for one game. But, you know, uh, we've been on the road now for six straight games. Uh, we managed to get uh, five out of 12 points there, which is respectful, but not good enough if you, uh, if you, like you say, you want to host a playoff game. Uh, but, Coach, uh, coming into the new year, and I looked at it, i got to say, Coach, I was a little pessimistic. Two very tough series to start the year in Alberta, in Calgary. You do have to be happy getting the 3-2 shootout win in Alberta two weeks ago and beating Calgary 5-3 last Saturday. I mean, getting splits in those arenas, that is something, isn't it? It's good for us because of the fact that we've picked up points every you know every weekend this year we have managed to pick up some points, whether they're two or four or one. So that's that's a positive. Uh, on the other hand, we're also throwing away some points. For example, in Calgary on Friday night, I didn't think our, we competed very hard, and you know we we threw away two points there. And then on Saturday we come, uh, you know, and, and play like we can to our identity, and and you know we outshoot them 30 to 20 and play very well. So, you know, uh, we have to we have to learn how to play. You know, for for a full 60 minutes and and not just one game on the weekend. We have to learn how to play both games. Uh, Coach, uh, tell us about this UBC hockey team. How they're doing? Big weekend coming up against Regina. Uh, Coach, got to say, looking at the standings, you need at least three. You probably need four at the very least three points this weekend because Regina is in last place right now. Uh, tell us about the UBC hockey team. How we're doing and the matchup this weekend versus Regina. Well, Regina's a really good hockey team. They play a, a really tight defensive game. I know their record or their stats don't indicate it, but they are really frustrating to play against. We just don't know what to expect from them. Uh, you know, you know, you play Calgary, Alberta, or Saskatchewan, you know exactly what to expect from Regina. You're not quite sure uh, what you're going to get. You're going to get a team that's going to go all offense or all defense. I know they're going to block a lot of shots and sacrifice. Their season is on the line as well. And, uh, you know, it, it's going to provide for some entertaining hockey. Uh, last time we played, we beat them 6-5, and they beat us 6-2. And uh, it, it, this is a huge weekend for us. Our players know it. We're working hard in practice. We're working on specialty teams and, and good D-zone coverage and keeping teams to minimize, uh, you know, 25 shots and under. Uh, Coach, give us uh, the health of your team right now and, some, and maybe some of the line combinations we're going to be seeing. Well, uh, our first line is Max Kraft, Justin McRae, and Brandon Campos. That hasn't changed since, you know, uh, the start of January. And then we decided to put Matthew Schneider up on uh, uh, back on the second line with Tyler Ruel and Mark Delage. And uh, we've uh, and then that line really dominated last game in Calgary, scoring four goals and combining for nine points. And, and, and then uh, the third line is going to be with Mike Leandis on the left side with. Um, 
Benchman on the right side and Dalton Pajak, kind of a throw-in line, but also played very well together. And, uh, you know, we're, we're down to four defensemen right now. Uh, we're going to be putting uh, one of the forwards, Scotty Watson, back to make it five defensemen for us. That's where we're really banged up right now. So uh, injury starting to play a factor with your blue line, hey? Who, who, who are the four defensemen who are going to be obviously playing a ton of minutes here? Well, Max Gordachuk, uh, he, you know, and, and him and uh, Matt Pepe are going to be playing quite a bit. Uh, Mike McGurk's going to be playing quite a bit. And, and Ryan Kukowski, those four guys, you know, are probably going to average 26, 27 minutes a night. And we'll have one of the forwards step in and play, you know, uh, 10, 12 minutes. And, and that's what we expect. And just keep it really simple from back in. So Craig Lineker, Nolan Toygo both out this weekend? Yes. What are they out with, Coach? Well, Craig uh, Craig Lineker's, uh he's got a cracked foot. And... Um, he could be done for the season. We're not quite sure yet. And and uh, and Nolan Toigo, he has decided to um, quit hockey for the oh. time being, and uh, he wants to just pursue an education. And there you have it. Um, so, Coach, uh, this UBC Thunderbird men's hockey team, how would you rate it at this point this season? I mean, I'm sure you'd like the record to be better, but you are right in the thick of it in the Canada West. So how would you rate it right now, how your hockey team's done? Well, you know what, with, with the uncertainty, uh, you know, at the start of this year, if you were to tell me that, you know, after 18 games we're going to be four points from second spot, we would have taken that. Right. And we wouldn't have taken the fact that we were in sixth place or tied for fifth and sixth place. We wouldn't have taken that. But if, if you look at it, we've been involved in a lot of one-goal games. We've lost four games, and uh, you know whether it's a shootout or, or, or an overtime, and that, that can swing the tide. You know, two points is a difference between sixth and, and third. And uh, but you know we control our own fate. We, we believe we believe that that if we play our hockey, uh, if we play good defense with good goaltending and timely goals. Uh, you know, we, we should be able to make the playoffs. Uh, so is that the goal, Coach, is to make the playoffs, or is it just really to play the best you can as you or the chips fall? Well, no, we talk to the players. And, you know, the goal is to make the playoffs. And that, yeah. You know what I mean? If, if Unless we make the playoffs, it's going to be a disappointing season, uh, regardless of the fact, you know, we've already, um, you know, last year we finished with uh, with 17 points at the end of the season. This year we've got 18 points with 10 games left to go. So we, we've made we've made big strides. We've, we're improving. We're getting we're getting better players. We're getting more consistent. If you see our goals for and against compared to last year, uh, we know we've made some, you know, pretty, pretty good changes stats-wise. But at the end of the day, it's a very tight competition in Canada West, and um, you know we're definitely not happy unless we make the playoffs. Uh, and Jordan White for you guys, coach in net. He's played all 18 games for you guys this season. Uh, tell us about his effort. Who's this goalie? Well, you know he, he's he, at, at times he's really held us in there, especially uh, early on in games when when we weren't ready to play. Uh, he's given us that opportunity. He's been really good in shootouts. He's been good down the stretch in Calgary. You know, in Alberta, he never faced a lot of shots. Uh, you know, 23, 25 shots is all we're averaging shots against. But he's playing uh, very well, giving us the opportunity to, you know, to win. And, uh, you know, right now he's, he's in that battle, you know, for being one of our uh, most valuable players throughout the course of the year. And, Coach, uh, you mentioned uh, your top line, Brandon Campos, has been there since the start of the year. He's only played four games this year. Does He's averaging a point per game. Uh, he's been a very quality player for you guys in the past. Where's he been, and what are you expecting out of Brandon Campos the rest of the way? Well, you know, he's, a very, he's our most dynamic player. He's very highly skilled. He produces on the power play. You know, he's playing with McCray and Campos, uh, sorry, McCray and Grassi, two highly skilled players. 
Uh, they're entertaining to watch. They try things out there that most lines or most individuals don't try because they do have a pretty good skill set, and they're exciting to watch. Uh, and he, well, he was injured for the first part of the season? No, he went to he, – he, he tried out uh, in Idaho in East Coast Hockey League, and he played a couple exhibition games. Is he committed to you guys the rest of the way this season? Oh, yeah. He's back. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. There you go. Uh, Milan Dragasevic, so – Coach, goal this weekend, though. Can we honestly say you need at least three out of four points this weekend, minimum? Uh, we, we, we need to do all the little things right. And, uh, you know, from a coaching perspective, I just want our guys to come ready. And if they do all the little things right, uh, and if they play hard, at the end we'll get four points if they do all the little things right. Terrific. Milan Dragasevic, Coach, very much appreciated here today. All right. Sounds good. Okay, that was uh, Milan Dragasevic, head coach for the UBC Thunder men's hockey team, who are going to be hosting the Regina Cougar, Regina Rams. No, I think it's Cougars in hockey. It's, like, different for football and uh, hockey. I don't know. Anyways, we'll be hosting them this weekend, um, and we're going to be broadcasting those games on CITR. Kind of not positive what we're doing on the web here, but uh, we'll get to that during the break. All right, we are going to take a break right now. When we're back, it's going to be Howard Samura of the Vancouver province. You're listening to 101.9 FM CITR Radio uh, Vancouver, British Columbia Canada. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Alright, hold on here. Bear with me. Uh, we'll go with that one. All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, we will be back in a jiffy. Become a friend of CITR and receive great discounts at businesses around Vancouver. Your friends of CITR card will net you discounts in the West Side UBC area at Banyan Books, The Bike Kitchen, The Eatery, Fresh's Best Salsa, Gumdrops, Kerner's Pub, Prussian Music, Rufus's Guitar Shop, and West Coast Music. It pays to be a friend of CITR. To find out more, come visit us in room 233 of the Sub on UBC campus or visit us online at citr.ca. Okay, everybody, welcome back to uh, Thunderbird Eye here on 101.9 FM CITR Radio. Uh, joining us now on the line, uh, very happy to have him back on this show, Howard Samora of the Vancouver province. Howard, how is your day going? It's going good, Daryl. Uh, I'm not having the technical bugaboos that you seem to be having going to commercial break. It sounds like Wilson Wong uh, rigged the station. No, I'm just, I, hey, Howard, I wasn't good at this stuff to begin with, and I'm very out of practice. So uh, <laughs> you, The main thing is you're getting your UBC coaches on and getting a good idea of what's happening around campus because there's a lot of stuff happening with Thunderbird teams, uh, you know, obviously, you know, right through March here. Yeah, uh, Howard, the big one, though, I want to talk to you about um, with respect to the other schools is the UBC Thunderbird men's basketball team right now, uh, currently sitting at 14-2, and two, tied with Trinity Western for the Canada West lead. UBC will have the tiebreaker due to a very uh, decisive sweep over Trinity over in Halloween weekend out in Langley. I mean, they blew them out both games, Howard. The scores were even, uh, you know, a little... They shouldn't have been that close. Uh, UBC, though, 10 wins in a row. Your thoughts on this men's basketball team currently 14-2? and two. Well, you know, 
was really interesting listening to the assistant coach Vern Knopp uh, earlier on the show here talking about, you know, how this UBC team is finding its chemistry right now, Daryl, because, I mean, let's face it, it is deep and it is talented and the envy of teams around the country without question. And, and you know, Vern talking about the fact that, you know, possibly the bench, you know, is can be shortened here. I, I think the main thing that we've seen from this UBC team, whether you shorten the bench or not, is those in the prime rotation are ready to play when they're when their names get called and I mean a, a perfect example you know on the weekend in the wins over Calgary is when you need the boost you go to your bench and those that you tap on the shoulder come out and they respond and we're talking about obviously Nathan Yu and, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the array of three-point bombs he dropped uh, against Calgary to be the key difference maker on Friday and then Mel Mayotte who uh, people forget was the Canada West rookie of the year many moons ago when he played at Simon Fraser University with that big fourth quarter on Saturday. So I'm impressed with the depth overall. I'm also impressed with the readiness of this team right now to play the role, to, to not have ego, and to answer the call to you know deliver what this team needs to win games. And as you say, that winning streak now at 10 games. Yeah, but Howard, am I being a little pessimistic? I just didn't think they played that well on the weekend. Say, And I, I, compare, I like to judge the UBC team. Maybe it's not fair, but as a national championship winner, not even a contender, but as a team that's hoping to win the national championship. And I don't think they look like that on the weekend. Well, I mean, if you're expecting them to blow everybody out every time they play, I mean, I would agree with you. I mean, I, I came away, and I didn't see the game Saturday. I did see the game Friday, uh, and I didn't see that explosive domination from start to finish. Obviously, that was a very tight game, you know, until Nate you got hot uh, and, and really, you know, kind of carried his team in light of the fact, you know, Josh White was 0 for 8 from the field. So, yeah, I mean, I didn't think they looked like they were ready to win the national championship on the weekend, but, but that said, I think you know what, playing in your conference is, is never going to be an easy task. Uh, even if Calgary might not have one of its best teams in recent memory, I, I think the fact, the fact remains that's a rivalry game that Calgary's been preparing for and really brought its best effort, I thought, for, uh, for two nights to push UBC uh, as well as they did. You know, is, that, is this a sign that there's some, maybe some, some, some chinks in the armor? I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, clearly not the most dominant performance, but I think – when you're UBC and you're expected to win, sometimes those are the hardest games to win. Uh, Howard, the fun thing to follow with UBC down the stretch here is are they going to finish first or second in the conference, which is extremely important because the winner, I mean, I looked at today, Howard, the winner of the conference will, obviously, if they if everybody wins their first-round matchups, will get a host to Canada West Final Four, which is a big deal. But the loser, most likely, whoever comes second between Trinity and UBC, will say, most likely will have to play Saskatchewan in the Canada West semifinal game on the road in most likely either Langley or UBC. And that is going to be a very tough game. And when you look at the national rankings around the conference, there are some teams that aren't going to get automatic bids in other conferences that are going to be vying for that wild card spot. So my point is, it is going to be fun to see UBC or Trinity Western. It's pretty important whoever wins the conference championship regular season title. Oh, there's a ton to play for. And as you say, that really brings out the importance of those UBC wins over Trinity early in the season. As you mentioned, they were very decisive. I mean, let's look at what Trinity Western, you know, kind of has to overcome here. They go into the, into the holiday break on a huge win streak, uh, you know, 12 straight after starting the season 2-2. Two and two. 
but you know what? They've got to go to Calgary this weekend to play uh, what you think will be a, a, a pair of pretty tough games, and Trinity has to keep that magic going on the road. And the week after that, look who they're hosting. I, if I'm not mistaken, they're hosting the Saskatchewan Huskies yeah. at the Langley Event Center, and that is going to be you know, one heck of a pivotal series in terms of Trinity Western just trying to hold serve here. I mean, uh, Trinity's, I mean, best, Effort is gonna is gonna. They hope let them run the table. Uh, they've got to hope UBC slips up once here along the way towards the end of the Canada West regular season. I'm not sure that's going to happen, but I think if Trinity, as far as they're concerned, is just keep riding Jake Dirksen right now, playing the best basketball of his career. Uh, you know, clearly, you know, one of the dominant players in the conference and just having a terrific year, especially from the field. He's so automatic right now, around 60% from the field. Uh, for a guy that can hit the three and play inside, that's pretty impressive. So Trinity Western will just put its head down. It will just keep on going to build that momentum. And I think even if it can't take first, you know, in in the regular season, uh, have to believe that, uh, you know, the role it would finish the year on would be enough to, to give it a great chance to win the conference championship. Yeah, Howard, you are dead right. Saskatchewan will be traveling to Langley two weeks from now. You'll be there for that weekend? I expect they'll probably be there, um, you know, depending on what's happening in, in the high school world. But I think it's probably a, a weekend worth watching yeah. Trinity Western. And if, if things go as planned over the next couple of weeks, I mean, we're going to have, you know, two of the top five teams in the country playing, uh, you know, very, very late into the regular season. I think that's going to be a real, uh, you know, scene setter for who's playing the best as we, you know, reach the end of the Canada West regular season. And uh, Howard, Josh White, the CIS Player of the Year last year, Jacob Dirksen, as you mentioned, the CIS Player of the Year two years ago. Uh, looking at Jacob Dirksen's statistics, 23 points per game. You mentioned it, 65% uh, from, from the field this year. He's even hitting a few three-pointers. Is Jacob Dirksen look like he'll be the conference player of the year? Well, you know, I, I, I think we'll have to see. I think that the remainder of this, of this regular season, it magnifies the importance of having to win every game. When you're in a rat race like UBC and Trinity Western, I think it's still to be decided. Um, you know, I mean, boy, it, it was strange to, to not see Josh White score. At the same <laughs> time, it was, I guess, a little heartwarming from a UBC perspective that even without the National Player of the Year contributing a point, you know, in a game that wasn't, you know, decided until, you know, late in, or later in the second half, that UBC is still able to come and win a game. So we'll see what happens. Josh White, you can never discount what he means to that team just in terms of his energy, his spirit, and, you know, clearly not even looking at the statistics. I think he's the heart and soul of that team. Uh, and it's been great to see his kind of maturation process in, into the leader that he is on that UBC team right now. So I think pretty safe to say that Dirksen and, and White are the two guys you're looking at, but we'll see what happens over the next three to four weeks. Uh, Howard, and I will say with UBC, when you look at statistics, you know, I've followed this team a lot over the years. With how deep the Kevin Hansen teams are, I don't think you can really gauge how well a lot of these guys are doing based on their statistics compared to other teams' players, you know? Oh, and you're exactly right because, I mean, Vern Knott made a great point when he said, you know, Mel Mayotte and, and, uh, and um, Nate, you would start for most teams. They, they, they definitely would be starters on other teams. You've just got a different, you know, a different kind of a team. And if you're used to just watching the Thunderbirds win, I think you get a little spoiled on the talent level that actually is there. I mean, there's enough talent there to, to you know, to, to form the basis of two great starting fives that would be very competitive uh, anywhere in the Canada West. So that's the kind of team we're looking at. And when you assemble that kind of talent, uh, you invite another you know, challenge, and that's keeping everybody motivated, happy, and driven to perform on a weekly basis, a game-to-game -game basis in these weekend series. 
So there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes with the UBC men's basketball program that the casual fan is not going to see, and, and a lot of that is the psychological aspect of keeping everybody ready to play and, and, and believing that they have some ownership in this team. And I think that's where you see a lot of the skill that, that Randy Knorr, Vern Knopp, and Kevin Hansen obviously you know, bring to this talented roster. Uh, Howard, eight games to go in the UBC basketball regular season. Uh, mentioned how they're doing. How important is it, though, for UBC uh, to win the national title this year in the fact that they're going to lose Brett Malish, Josh White, and Alex Murphy, especially Josh White, I do have to say, and and the way I look at it, Howard, is in the past, you know, you had your Kyle Russell, then you had Casey Archibald, you had Pasha Baines thrown in there, then it led to Chris Dick, then it led to Josh White. They've always had that solid flow of a national contender for player of the year. They might not have that next year based on the transfer. And then with the NCAA, perhaps two years down the road, perhaps, are we looking at this being UBC's last best shot for a national championship? Well, I think that's a really astute way to look at it, Daryl. I mean, clearly, you can't ever take anything for granted. I mean, just, just getting out of the conference and getting to the nationals, I think, is challenge enough. And that really tells you the quality job that everyone within the UBC men's basketball program has accomplished over the last few years because it's that automatic kind of expectation that they're going to do it. And I, mean, I don't think you can. I don't think you can. If you're within the program, say we have to win the national championship this year. But if you look at the way it's structured, this is the year to win it. I think that's the way to put it, because you're exactly right in terms of that fifth-year talent, and you know, kind of what follows it. Do you have your game-breaking, you know, um, leaders beyond the senior class right now at this point? And and basically, because Josh White has played so well. Uh, and Alex Murphy and Brent Malish give you so many other intangible qualities, I think you have to say this is the year. Uh, I don't think it's any secret that that is the goal of this team. I mean, it, they would be crazy to say anything else. The way this team has been constructed, this is the year that they've got a, you know, a great chance. And when you've gone to the final two straight years with this core, they know what every inch of this battle is about. So I, th- I think uh, you know, you're not putting any undue pressure on them. It's the pressure they put on themselves every day in practice they believe that, you know, if they can perform the potential, that this is the year they can win it. Uh, and, Howard, you mentioned, and I did touch on the NCAA, have you heard anything in the last little bit here? Well, I haven't heard any any kind of breaking news other right. than, you know, it really is something that sits in the, you know, the lap of those above the UBC uh, athletics department at this yeah. stage. And, and I think there's a want to do it. I, I think, uh, you know, if it happens, I think perhaps by April is when we're going to be hearing some news. Uh, and I think, uh, you know what, based on the way that Simon Fraser, and I'm just, just basing this on past experience, based on the way Simon Fraser's approval came, you're not going to see any extended period in the CIS by yeah. UBC if there's a positive move towards going to the, to the NCAA Division II ranks because I don't think the CIS would allow it. They would want UBC to move out as quickly as possible. So, you know, if things went on cue in terms of moving towards the Division II application and acceptance, um, if that indeed did happen, and I'm not saying I'm hearing stuff saying it will, yeah. that UBC's move would probably happen in the fall of 2012. Yeah, I'm told Howard is just on the president's lap right now, and we're waiting most likely March or, as you said, early April. Yeah, and it's uh, it's been quite revealing, Daryl, to watch the level of play 
you know, that is out there both in football and basketball, the marquee sports, and, and you wonder, you know, how the UBC teams would perform. I think this UBC men's team, uh, as constructed right now, would be very, very successful in the GNAC conference. I mean, there's a ton of good teams there, but I think this UBC team right now is, is a pretty special group. The only issue you run into is, you know, if you're going to make that move in 2012, Daryl, you, you automatically put one class of players um, in jeopardy, and that yeah. would be whoever is a third-year player because they can stay for one more year when you, when you would be a provisional member and unable to compete for anything in terms of a, a postseason berth. Uh, or that player could leave and go somewhere else and thus get two more years in the CIS. That's the big, um, that's the big hinge year, and I think that's what happened with the Simon Fraser uh, basketball teams, especially that women's team. A group of talented players in their third year decided they didn't want to play one more provisional year, a fourth year as a student athlete in the NCAA. Um, so they would either quit playing the sport or they would transfer and get two more years at another school, and you could certainly understand why they would do that. So when that happens, uh, you know, you do run into problems in terms of having the core group of players that you've recruited and you built to kind of peak each year. You, you suddenly lose that, and you have to start relying on younger players, and thus you begin a bit of a struggle as you change to NCAA Division II. That's what we've seen without fail with the Simon Fraser programs, other than that men's soccer program, which actually won the GNAC regular season title you know, with, the, with the team that it had. How, how is uh, Did you see any of the men's volleyball? They, they're like in the big NCAA, aren't they? Well, there is no uh, yeah. Division II uh, men's volleyball right. as far as I know. Um, so that, that's a, an issue there, I think. Uh, I could be wrong, uh, but I, I don't think there is. I, I think, though, that if you're allowed to compete in a couple of, uh, you know, Division One sports, who knows what yeah. might happen with that. So, uh, and, and we clearly don't know the full mandate of what UBC is doing uh, in a potential move to the NCAA. And I'm trying to be careful here with what I'm saying, but I don't think that their goals are the same as Simon Fraser's. And Simon Fraser's is simply to move to Division Two in the GNAC and compete there on a regular basis. I think UBC's goals maybe go beyond that in, in, a, in a lot of ways. So it may not be the same um, end, the same end to means yeah. or whatever you want to call it, that the UBC Sports Department has. We'll see what happens. But uh, clearly when you make a move as huge as that would be, and it would be one of the biggest you know, changes in the history of UBC sports, you can't expect every single aspect of your athletic department to simply flow smoothly to that next uh, tier of competition. There are going to be some struggles, uh, you know, both in terms of the fate of student-athletes and of the level of competition that you're going into. Right, and Howard, of course, the big one here on UBC campus is the hockey team, which currently gets about 100 to 200 people a game, will suddenly be in the big NCAA league. So that's really the big one here. So Yeah, it would be the big one. And I think, uh, you know, you look at that in terms of, the, you know, you've got to increase your athletic budget at the same time. I think you have a uh, revenue-generating sport that would go beyond, you know, what is, is on campus right now. And I think, uh, you know, you have to weigh all that kind of stuff. And surely that's what a lot of discussions are about at this point, I'm sure. Awesome. Howard Samura of the Vancouver Province. Howard, thank you as always. Daryl, any time, my friend. <laughs> well, I'm filling in for Wilson for a while, so if it's cool, we'll be in touch. Please do. Thanks, Howard. All right, that was Howard Samura of the Vancouver Province. Uh, great to have him on. And, yeah, the NCAA thing, we're going to try to get into that uh, over the next few months on this show because it appears, it appears, and I've been saying this for a couple of years now, that we are finally hitting end date. Um, hoping to have Bob Philip on, and i got to get that president on the phone. Uh, 
I even asked my neighbor who they work out at UBC, and they were good friends with the old president, but not the new one. So rats. Thought I had it in there, but uh, I didn't. My first request with President Hoop uh, many months ago was denied, but you can always try again, can't you? Um, and the UBC men's basketball team, uh, it's going to be fun to f- follow them down the stretch. Me, I want the playoffs here already, but what are you going to do? All right, we are going to take our final break of the show. When we're back, our very own CITR sports director, Wilson Wong, is going to be with us. We're going to be going through all the Thunderbird sports we currently haven't covered uh, in this show. Uh, Women's hockey, women's volleyball, men's volleyball. We're mostly going to hit on the UBC Thunderbird women's basketball team, which did not get off to a very good start in their season this year, but have been pretty red hot lately. They got a sweep versus Calgary on the weekend. They have now won eight games in a row to go to 11-5. and five. Uh, They are close to hosting a playoff series, but it is going to be tough. Wilson Wong is going to be on with us after the break. You're listening to, what are we called here? Thunderbird Eye on uh, 101.9 FM. It'll be a hot time in the Old Chapel on Saturday night, January 29th. It's the first annual Barn Burner Benefit, Vancouver's greasy rock and roll, rhythm and blues, and country review. Please join me, Bobby the Badger Ferris, host of the Barn Burner, for a night of honky-tonk and rock and roll mischief. This show takes place at Vancouver's newest and most unique venue, Chapel Arts, in the downtown east side at 304 Dunleavy Avenue, just one block north of the Patricia Hotel. The Barn Burner Benefit features the stunning lineup of Shiloh Lindsay, Rodney DeCrew and his new convictions, and Minto. It's three headliners for the price of one. And the majority of the proceeds will be going to the greatest radio station on the planet, CITR 101.9 FM, and the greatest new venue in Vancouver, the Chapel Arts Gallery. Put on your boots and show your support to ensure that local artists and venues can continue to thrive in our fair city. In addition to the great acts playing, the night will also include a clothing raffle from Lifetime Collective, greasy cuisine, spaghetti westerns in the Galleria, and I'll be spinning the greasiest tracks between bands and after the show. Again, that's Saturday night, January 29th, 2011, at the Chapel Arts Gallery at 304 Dunleavy Avenue. $12 at the door, with doors opening at 8 p.m. There's no dress code, but denim on denim is probably advisable. The first annual Barn Burner Benefit, brought to you by Chapel Arts and CITR 101.9 FM. Hi, I'm Bryant Reeves of the Vancouver Grizzlies, and you're listening to CITR 101.9 Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Thunderbird Eye here on uh, CITR 101.9 FM. Mike with Fletcher Head will be on in about 10 minutes time. Joining me on the line, um, the man who really kept this show going this year after I abandoned ship, Wilson Wong. Wilson, how are you and how's your day going so far? Um, Just woke up. Kind of (laughs) nice. Did you did you enjoy not having to be here today? Well, usually I have to spend about three days at the station to actually put the show together, so it's nice. Oh, there you have it. There you have it. Um, you're, you're not like me who just kind of wings it all together in the last, you know. Well, some people are better doing uh, at better, you know, better at doing shows live. Oh, like you. I have to have a whole bunch of stuff ready in case. You know, the ship starts sinking. I, I just I just like to go down with the ship, really, when it starts <laughs> to go. You know? Hopefully and I've got back. a... Huh? And you're back. Yeah, hopefully, more. yeah, hopefully I've got a life raft somewhere. 
Maybe I'm worried. What do they call I got some water wings on. Well, there, there's 10 minutes left. What could possibly go wrong, What could right? possibly go wrong? Uh, join us right now, Wilson Wong. Wilson, um, just want to cover the UBC sports teams I haven't covered, but I really want to focus on women's basketball. Mm. We'll get to that last. Uh, the UBC Thunderbird women's hockey team, a team we do a lot of broadcasts for on this station, 4-11-1. They've got nine points, uh, seventh in the conference. They're not quite mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, but it looks like that's right around the corner. Swept by Calgary at home on the weekend uh they've had six straight losses now traveling to a five nine and two regina team just not a great year so far for the ubc women's hockey team no and uh it, it really uh, i don't know it's surprising considering last year they had a a pretty respectable year and they were to be honest a lot of the games were pretty entertaining they, they were high scoring so coming into this season you really thought okay maybe this is a season where you know they turn the corner and uh, but just with the games this year, and, and you know what, they started off really well. They went on the road, got a split at Alberta, and then went on the road the next week and got a split with Calgary. And you're thinking, oh, okay, this could be a really competitive team. But they just had this. They followed that up with just a terrible end to the first half, and it's continued. Um, and they haven't been able to score at all this year, which is uh, a little bit surprising considering uh, how well they did last year. Uh, Wilson, uh, onto the UBC Thunderbird men's volleyball team. Four and eight on the season. They got swept at Calgary on the weekend. They're hosting a four and six Brandon team, but it, it looks like they're pretty much a shoe in for the playoffs because seven teams make it, and one of the three, one of these three teams has to catch them. Is a one and nine. They're all one and nine. Regina, Saskatchewan, and Winnipeg. So as far as making as far as making the playoffs go, it's just the right season to have a four and eight record, basically. Yeah. And, you know, you look at the first half, they played number, they played two teams that were ranked at the top three, and another team, I think, that was ranked number six. So, you know, you kind of expect that. But, uh, you know, if they actually want to do anything in the playoffs, they'll have to beat one of these teams to go on. And uh, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe they'll catch, you know, these teams off guard in the playoffs. But, yeah, it's a, it's a very tough conference. But uh, you know, as, you know, it, it's it's weird just chatting with Richard Chick, the uh, the head coach. Just uh, it just looks like his team is very very close to actually really doing something and seeing off you know a good run here. But uh, they played Calgary on the road, and it was two very tough games. Uh, but you know, they seem to be consistently coming out on the wrong side of of these very close games against good teams. Yeah, well, they've got a good schedule to finish off playing a four yeah. and six Brandon, uh, three and seven Thompson Rivers, and a one and nine Regina. And the conference is set up in a way that three Canada West teams plus Trinity Western qualify for nationals. So yeah. you you squeak into the playoffs, you host a round, you win it. Before you know, you got a chance. You're going to nationals, right? So yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, <laughs> and that's the the great thing about it is is the fact that. You know, you can have one really good weekend and maybe make the Nationals. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see how that one turns out. On to the UBC Thunderbird women's volleyball team. What is it, two national titles in a row for this team? Three. Wilson? It's three national championships <laughs> in a row. Excuse me, excuse me. Um, nine and three on the season had, I think, a disappointing split 
uh, versus Calgary on the weekend. And Wilson, with six games to go, they trail Trinity Western by two losses. Trinity's 9-1, and one, yeah. UBC's 9-3. and three. UBC does have a, you know, even if they win out, um, it looks like that conference championship final four is going to be at Trinity Western. It looks like this team gold to go to Nationals again, Wilson, but the conference championship, it looks like they're going to have to go to Langley for it. Yeah, and, uh, you know, this is a team that uh, really hasn't been all there this year uh, at the same time. You know, you've got, uh, you know, the two players that played with Team Canada uh, for the first half of the season. So a lot of these players um, have been playing sort of uh, without their two, you know, best teammates. Uh, and they've really learned, I think, to play in new roles. And, and that'll, I think that'll pay off in the playoffs and in upcoming years. But this year, in terms of the regular season, they just haven't had everyone together. Um, yeah, I don't think it's realistic to, to say that they'll be able to catch up to Trinity. So going to Trinity, I don't think that's a bad thing. But I think if they can get to the Nationals, they'll, they'll be fine considering the type of experience that the, the players bring to the table, um, you know, in those types of events. Uh, Wilson, the last team I want to touch on with you is a team that you obviously follow very closely. You are their broadcaster. Uh, the UBC Thunder women's basketball team, which was really struggling at the start of the year, and kaboom, they've suddenly reeled off eight straight wins. They're 11-5, and and this weekend they traveled to an 0-14 Brandon team, so it looks like 13-5 and is just knocking on the door for them. Yep. Uh, they're also going to be playing a 7-9 and Thompson Rivers. Uh, they are going to have to play 12-2 and Regina and 11-5 Victoria, but if you want to be good, you got to play the good teams. So a pretty favorable schedule for this UBC team down the stretch, Wilson. But, you know, suddenly you're looking at this team being 13-5, and five, which, you know, they're not going to be leading the conference, but that's pretty decent for this team. Yeah, especially considering how they started the season, considering how they lost those two very bad games to Winnipeg, who I think is turning out to be a better team than everyone thought they would be. But uh, I think if UBC got a chance again to play Winnipeg, they'd, they'd probably... Well, they certainly wouldn't be swept again, uh, that's for sure. Um, I think, you know, you, you look at just the way the games have gone this year and the way Deb Huban has, is now playing her players, you, you, I think you're starting to recognize the trend that she is going with, um, leaning more towards playing her starting five more often leaning on them more heavily in the games and, and not bringing in the bench players as often. And um, it, it, it's unusual considering that, that this is the starting five that they have is, is a starting five that everyone thought they would have. And, and so it would seem strange that she's playing them more now, but I think she is doing that and she is getting better results against teams that are weaker than the ones they played. But these are the teams that they should be beating. And, you know, this, this Calgary team they just beat this weekend. I mean, UBC really dominated the two games. And uh, this is a team I think most people were kind of expecting to see uh, at the beginning of the season. And, you know, as you said, 13-5, and five, likely uh, the record they'll have going into uh, games against Regina, Thompson Rivers, and Victoria. Uh, I'm not convinced Victoria is really that good. Uh, Winnipeg went in and beat them uh, at home. And so I think UBC has a really good chance to move up, uh, probably get past six. 
and uh, I think they can move into the top four, and then we'll see. I mean, if they can win around and then they get into the regionals, they, you know, a shot at the nationals seems a lot more likely now than it, than it did maybe two, three weeks into the season. Uh, Wilson Wong with us, and Wilson, please confirm that I've got this right on CITS Sports this weekend. For the radio, 101.9 FM on Friday, we've got a big hockey series, actually. It's one of the biggest yeah. ones we've ever done. It might even be the biggest hockey series we've ever done. I'm not joking, actually. <laughs> no, because if they sweep it, they've actually got a shot. They're going to be right in it to host a playoff series. I know. I mean, it's never Yeah, it's never happened if they sweep <laughs> it. Uh, they're going to be hosting Regina on Friday on the radio at 7 o'clock. The web on Saturday only, Wilson. That's and right. then uh, Friday we're going to have on the web only uh, volleyball. Brandon at UBC, the women, which I recommend people uh, come out and see if you can. And then uh, the men. Wilson, I would say that if the men's hockey game was starting at 730, I'd try to watch a little of that women game and head on over to the arena. But. <laughs> I would. Anyways. That sounds like a plan. <laughs> I got but, that uh, right. It, it, you yeah. know, it, it's funny. I mean, it is 